The dice had been rolled. The days of Octetaten, the most beautiful city in the world, were numbered, and with them those of the man that Ramosis had once worshipped more than any other. His king, the son of the living God, the Aten, the light of the world, the man who had been the first to see the truth and recognize the Aten as the one true God, the man who had toppled the gods of an empire, closed the temples, had the name of Amun removed from the base reliefs and confiscated the riches of the priesthood. The man who had given the empire a new form of art, a new way of writing. The man who preached truth, love, and peace, but by doing so had brought suffering, terror, and chaos to his country. The man they now called a heretic. The city on the east bank of the Nile, erected in just three years and dedicated to the glory of the Aten, had once been inhabited by one hundred thousand people. But most of the citizens had fled after Colonel Haremhab, High Priest Merir, Chancellor Nachet, Royal Physician Pentu, and even Eya, the Pharaoh's stepfather and closest advisor, had bowed before the priests of Amun and abandoned the city, allegedly to save the empire. Nevertheless, Ramosis had no doubt what their real motives were. Evil was moving up a gear. It would trample on the houses of the workers and civil servants, as well as the royal palace and the temples. The high priest of Amun would see to that as soon as the hated pharaoh was dead and the old order restored. Akhetaten, built of clay bricks and limestone slabs, had little to protect it from the fury of the old priests and the hot breath of evil. Ramosis was in a hurry. It would soon be dawn and he wanted to be at the North Palace, to which the queen had retreated three years ago in time for sunrise. The queen's withdrawal from public life had astonished everyone. Nefertiti had once taken pleasure in appearing in public wearing the blue helmet of a warrior and had to many people appeared to be not only a sorcerer and intriguer but the real ruler of the empire. People had said she had two-timed her husband with over a hundred other men. With Haramhab, the king's boyhood friend and colonel of the palace guard, with Tutmosis, with General Maj and High Priest Marir, as well as with soldiers, slaves, workers, and mere boys. They said not one of her six daughters was Akhenaten's, that he was sterile and had in any case only ever slept with his mother Tiye, or with his daughters, three of whom, following an ancient tradition, he had married, including Mekataten. Ramosis, who had been serving for the past year in the Temple of the Aten, avoided the popular gossip, although he had reason enough to hate the pharaoh, but he took strength from his faith in the Aten. A month ago, the queen had sent him on a secret mission to Thebes, the empire's former capital. A dangerous trip for a priest of the Aten. It wasn't just the plague he risked by traveling to Thebes. The ordinary people were terrorized by Mahu's secret police, who persecuted anyone that still worshipped the old gods and resented being left with a faceless god who denied them their familiar comforts and ancient festivals. A god who couldn't even be called God, just the living Aten. A weak god who ordered you to love your enemies and didn't even offer the prospect of an afterlife to compensate for an existence filled with misery. A god of nothing. A voice that had spoken only to the crazy pharaoh. After the euphoria of the first few years, the people had begun to hate the Aten and his priests. Ramosis knew the people prayed that the pharaoh would soon die in his magnificent godless city. This weak, detestable pharaoh, who was half man, half woman, and spent his time writing poetry while they were ravaged by plague, their goods plundered by the hordes of Hyksos and rebellious Hittites. Despite all the dangers, Ramosis had managed to fulfill his mission and had returned from Thebes unharmed. 
but the news he brought back was frightful. With no escort and traveling in a simple horse and cart, he approached the all-but-abandoned city from the south, passing Maru Aten, the little folly palace decorated with paintings of flowers and animals. Ramosis repressed the painful memory that this was where he had once had a tryst with Makatatan, the pharaoh's oldest daughter who might have become his wife. But Makatatan was dead, gone, as was his love for his king. All that he had left was the love of the Aten. Dark thoughts filled his mind as he traveled northwards along the main street into the southern suburbs of the city, where the luxurious estates of the courtiers lie. Beyond them, leading up to the foothills of the mountains, sprawled the huts and workshops of the masons, scribes, potters, brewers, painters, engravers, porters, and undertakers, crammed by thousands into the smallest of spaces. Somewhere in the midst of them all, Ramosus knew, lay the workshop of the famed Tutmosis, who was